Happy Wednesday, my podcast family. Welcome to Caregiving is a Ministry, where we look at the Word of God through the lens of caregiving. Don't forget to follow me on Facebook at Caregiving is a Ministry, all one word. We're in the 14th Psalm, and reading from the New International Version, it says, The fool says in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt, their deeds are vile, there is no one who does good. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind to see if there are any who understand, any who seek God. All have turned away, all have become corrupt. There is no one who does good, not even one. Do all these evildoers know nothing? They devour my people as though eating bread. They never call on the Lord. But there they are, overwhelmed with dread. For God is present in the company of the righteous. You evildoers frustrate the plans of the poor. But the Lord is their refuge. Oh, that salvation for Israel will come out of Zion. When the Lord restores his people, let Jacob rejoice and Israel be glad. (laughs) Yes, this is another lamenting psalm written by David. Are psalms only written for lament? (laughs) Right, that's a question, but obviously the answer is no, right? Based on the other four categories. However, I'm beginning to think that the majority of the psalms are lamenting ones. As discussed at the beginning of this endeavor, the word psalm was translated from both the Greek and the Hebrew. The word in Hebrew was melody, but then when it was translated from the Greek, it was a song of praise, which based on what we've discovered thus far, they should be more like songs of sorrow. My opinion, right? Nonetheless, can you imagine the melody for this particular psalm, for this (laughs) particular song? I can't imagine the music would be too lively, can you? David in this psalm really is issuing an indictment on humanity. That it is corrupt, vile, does not acknowledge God. The very creation that God himself fashioned in his own likeness and declared his approval, David now exposes the debased heart of that creation. What a stark contrast from glory to gruesome, from fellowship with God to fanaticism with self. This is generally known as the fall of man. You know, when Adam sinned and essentially all hell broke loose, literally and figuratively, when he sinned. And that is what David is witnessing all around him. I pose a question to you. What are you witnessing now? Has humanity risen above what David wrote some, what, two, three thousand years ago? Have we as a people come to recognize God and call upon his name and serve him? I think I hear all of you emphatically saying no. (laughs) Nope. Humanity is still absorbed in self, the flesh, wealth, There is no community regard for the poor. Instead, in my country, we criminalize the poor. We treat them as if poverty was something they chose to accept, (laughs) not wanting to admit the social and governmental systems 
that while offering a helping hand, I'm using hair, uh, air quotes, they truly restrict those in the system from economic upward mobility without penalties. Looking at the st- statistics here in the United States, looking at what it says about the pay between women and men, it's unequal. And then looking at the professions that are historically female, you'll find that they lack considerably in salary compensation. It is easy for us as believers to point the finger at the world. The world's supposed to be corrupt, right? So let's turn that gaze and look at us, the body of Christ. You know how Jesus highlighted when he said, don't worry about the dust that is in your neighbor's eyes, but look at the log that's in yours. That's what we're getting ready to do. Let us look at the log in the eye of we as the believers, collectively as the body of Christ, shall we? I have heard over the last two months, friends and family members um, voice their frustration with the church going to church being involved in church and their comments range from a feeling of emptiness when they go uh, one said just missing something and then one flat out said more like hypocrites for what they see in the church and how people act why do they have this sense these feelings why are they feeling empty and missing something Could it be that we have allowed ourselves to become corrupt in the church, the body of Christ? That we've exchanged the worship of our God for the worship of mankind in the form of political leaders or wealth or religion itself? Just doing things because it's always been done or we have misinterpreted what God really says in his word. There are two scriptures one in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament that sums up what God instructs for each and every one of us, what he commands us to do both collectively and as individuals. The first can be found in Micah chapter 6, the eighth verse. The New American Standard Bible reads, He has told you, mortal one, that's us, what is good, meaning what he wants from us. And what does the Lord require of you? But to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly before your God. To me, that is pretty straightforward. This pericope lets us know that that our duty is to get involved in just causes. To pursue justice, not just for us, but for everyone. But... If you don't want to take that scripture because it's the Old Testament and you know that we don't fall under the law, we're now children under grace, let's then turn to Matthew, the 22nd chapter, verses 36 and 40, where Jesus is speaking. So it would be in red in your Bible. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said to them, he being Jesus, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is the like. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two commandments hinge the whole law of the prophets. 
When we place God first, everything else falls into place. Our priorities are highlight are aligned with his and we can love our neighbors. Loving our neighbors as yourself is the justice piece stated in Micah. Both are saying the same thing. Jesus is affirming the prophet's word in Micah, remembering that Jesus tells us that all of the law points to him. He is the fulfillment of that law. Another way to consider this is the Old Testament is God's written instruction for us. And the New Testament is God's example in Jesus of what we are to do. We are to look at how Jesus carried himself, what he did, how he acted, how he interacted with the others. He is the word made flesh. And this is why we can say that the Bible has every answer to all of our questions. It's all in there. Whether it's specifically stated in there or not, it's because we can look to Jesus and see what he did and how he interacted with people, how he treated people. And then you look at the letters that the apostle wrote after Jesus' ascensions, ascension. They're essentially on behavior, how we're supposed to behave. We are to mimic Jesus and what he did. What will we be known for? What should we be known for as a people? Placing God first, advocating for just laws, being a people who love no matter what, because that's what God did for us. Should that not be our legacy as a body of believers? If we live this way, would people come into our midst and feel empty? I doubt it. If they came into our midst and we were being just and loving and kind and loving God and loving our neighbors, they would feel and experience the genuine love of God through us. In the end, though, as David states in his psalm, the Lord will restore. Of course, for the people of Israel, this was a return to the promised land and to be liberated from their captivity right when David was writing the the psalm. Today, as has Israel as a country been restored? Depends on who you ask. There are some forms of Judaism who are awaiting the rebuilding of the temple. There are others who are awaiting the coming of the Messiah. Those are the ones who have not accepted Jesus as Savior. And then there are the others who really just aren't religious at all. They're just Jewish by birth. So I don't know if they've been restored. Revelation says that Jesus will deal with him, them when he comes, when he returns. But then there is the church, us, those of us who have been grafted into the family of God that he established through the lineage of Abraham. We are waiting to be restored by being united with our Savior when he returns. All of us are waiting on God's return. But understand that he's already restored us in a sense. Because Jesus has told us that the kingdom of God is within us. That means our behaviors, how we think, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kind of what, what we do. So I want to impress upon you that um, to not get caught up in waiting on God to return or waiting on God for the answer, we still need to be busy about our Father's business. Remember when Jesus said that when he was 12? 
we, we have business that our fathers left each and every one of us individually and collectively as a body of Christ. And that is to what? To do justice, to love kindness, to walk humbly before our God, to love God above all other with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and then to love our neighbor as ourselves. That's our business right now. He has left you and me that command to do. And so let us do that with our whole hearts. Let's pray. Holy God, we thank you for in the midst of the depravity of man, you reach down and you reunited us with you. You reconciled us to you through our Savior, Jesus Christ. And although we are now the righteous through him, we still have remnants in a sense of that correct, corrupted self to where we still sin. Help us not to sin intentionally. But when we do, help us to recognize it. Allow your Holy Spirit to convict us to repent. Help us to not get so caught up in, I guess, how bad people are, but focus more on how good you are, taking seriously what you have commanded us to do and placing you first and loving our neighbors. Help us to remember that our neighbors aren't just the people that we like, Lord, but the ones we may not, that you loved the world that you sent your son for it, that everyone has been made in the image of you, from the saint to the criminal, and that maybe the difference between the two is the criminal was never extended a helping hand. Help us, Father, to be a people known for our love, for our kindness, and for being just, for insisting on justice for the marginalized, for insisting on justice because it's the right thing to do, insisting on justice because we know in your world, Father, there is no lack. And so when we hear people talking about the scarcity of system, it is because of greed. Help us to be a people who call out the idolatry that is in our countries and in our communities, the idolatry of self, of religion itself, of wealth, greed, hypocrisy, all of that. Help us to be known for our justice, for our love, and for our faithful following of you. Not a fanatical following in that we are dogmatic or legalistic, but fanatical in our love and our commitment to living the gospel of Jesus Christ as he sat and ate with sinners, as he rebuked the religious leaders for their hypocrisy. Raise up a group of people, Father, in us, starting with us today, who will not be afraid to speak truth to power, who will not be afraid to lend a helping hand when others will not. We know that you've given us work to do, Lord. Help us to do it. I lift up the caregivers who have accepted your assignment in this season. And although they may not 
have an active role, so to speak, in doing justice right now. That they be the prayer warriors for the ones who are out there doing it. To seek better health care compensation. To seek um, better assistance for people who are in caregiving roles. There's so much work to be done. But it starts by us coming together, bowing down before you and acknowledging that we have been part of the problem. And now we ask to be part of the solution. Cleanse our hearts, Lord, and allow our lives to bring honor and glory to you. This we pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Alrighty, I will see you tomorrow. Chances are we'll be doing another lamenting psalm. (laughs) We'll see what the Lord has to say for us then. You go and minister the act of caregiving in the name of Jesus. Bye. Thank you.